Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. There's just a couple things I want to get to this morning, and uh, we will be dismissed to enjoy your fourth with your family. Um, if you could, I want you to open up to open up your Bibles to Luke, in uh, Luke chapter 18. If you already had this bookmark like I did, not casting judgment on anybody, but I'm already here. All right, we're going to start in verse 18. So this morning we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the rich young ruler, and we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. So. In verse 18, it starts off by saying, A ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He said, All of these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell everything you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was very rich. How many other times do you ever hear that phrase? He was very sad because he was very rich. Only when you're talking to Jesus. So Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. He said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time or in the age to come. Or in the age, I'm sorry, in the age to come, eternal life. So first of all, I want to break this down so we're not just reading this. Think about how so Jesus is, Jesus is there, and he's obviously got people that were with him. And this rich young ruler comes up, and he's talking to Jesus. Now, remember, too, that Jesus often taught other people. And this rich young ruler comes up, and he says, Hey, Jesus, how can I get eternal life? That was his question, right? How do I get eternal life? So... His motive was, what can I get out of this? Like, he, he recognized Jesus as somebody that has authority. But his motive in coming to Jesus is, how do I get this? I want to get this. I want to have eternal life. I've heard you talk about eternal life. I want that. And then Jesus starts quoting off some of the commandments. I think it's like five of them that he quoted off to him. He said, yeah, 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 I've done all that. What is he expecting is going to happen? I guarantee you, based off of him being a rich young ruler and him being somebody who is in a great authority himself, that he expected Jesus saying, well, if you've done all that, you're good. Go on with your bad self. 
How many have come to God like that before, though? Or that you've looked at this stuff, like if you've ever ministered or if you've ever done something, that done something for God and you've looked at the things you've done, you're like, yeah, I did it. I'm there. Sometimes, like we don't say it like that. But a lot of times we, we're looking for, like, how do we justify our existence? How are we justifying these things? So this kid was obviously, the, the rich young ruler was obviously somebody who did try to follow the law because he wanted to do the right thing so that he could get this. He's got this carrot that's hanging out there. He wants it so he can get it. Now, it sounds kind of silly, right? But how many people have ever been saved because that's what they want. That's how they approach God. I want to go to heaven. That's my motive. That's what I want to do. We're talking about motives again. That's why I come to God. That's my motive is what I want. And Jesus, we, we, like to, we like to think that Jesus is always teaching. But Jesus was a man too. He was all man and all God. And I like to think in this story that Jesus is like, man, it would be easier for me to take this camel and get it through this needle than it would for this guy to go to heaven because he can't lose can't lose what he is. He doesn't know how to lose himself. He, he's too fond of the situation that he's in. Then if we go to ver, uh, chapter 19, we hear a different story. And this is a different rich man, but this rich man's name was Zacchaeus. It says, he entered Jericho and passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Who out here reads that and, can, and does not get that song in your head? Every single time I read that, climbed up there. But except for he was about to pass that way. And Jesus came to the place, and he looked up and said, Zacchaeus. You come, yeah. <laughs> Hurry and come down, for I must come stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, say they saw it. This is the religious snobs around him. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has... He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of the goods I have, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come on, to this house, has come on this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, did you hear where he said the sinner's prayer? Did you see where he found We did that in there? Because God judges our hearts, right? So 
we've got two different approaches. First of all, we've got the rich young ruler. He approaches Jesus saying, what do I do to get eternal life? How does Zacchaeus approach Jesus? I just want to see. There was nothing that Zacchaeus was doing in the presence of Jesus that had anything to do about him. Nothing. Zero. The only reason Zacchaeus approached or even was out there is because he had heard about Jesus and he knew this was something that he had to see. He knew this, this was someone that he had, he had to see. So the approaches were different. Their motives were different, right? We were talking about this the other night at prayer night. Motive is important. Why you come to God is important. Because if you're coming to God, and there's a lot of places and, and a lot of people, you come to a church, even a wild Pentecostal place where people are like, going crazy and hooping and hollering and everything, but you're coming into a place waiting for that band to get right at that song. They're going to get at that one point where you're just going to be like, ah, and you just like worship and you get your hairs on your arms stand up and you're just like, oh, today was a good day. See you next week. So the rich young ruler, whenever he was approached, would have him to change his life. He couldn't do it. When Zacchaeus was approached with Jesus, though, Jesus didn't have to say a word to him. Because his life was changed as soon as Jesus called him out. And that's whenever you know somebody is having a real reaction with Jesus Christ. Because their life is changed just by him saying their name and saying, I'm going to come be with you. Because if Jesus comes into your home, your home can't be the same anymore. If Jesus comes into your house, if Jesus calls you out, it requires something different of you. But that's a stirring inside of you because you're not coming in of your own. You're coming in under the, uh, under the, household, under the household of Jesus. You're coming in under, under a new name. God has given you, made you a new creation. And all these old things are gone regardless of the value you had on them before. Because Zacchaeus, I guarantee you, had the same value for his money, if not more, than the rich young ruler. Because the rich young ruler followed all the commandments growing up. Zacchaeus never said he did, and he probably didn't. See, tax collectors back then, they were looked at as people who stole from the Jews. That's the reason they were grumbling about him. It's because he stole from them. And he was the chief tax collector. So he was the guy that was in charge of all the people that were stealing from them. He was a major pain. I guarantee you there were people that were in that crowd that prayed against him. And then Jesus comes by and messes up their theology. Has anybody ever had Jesus mess up your theology? Yeah. He will mess you up. If you seek God and you come to him with a repentant heart, and just saying, God, whatever you want to show me, I'm, I'm, I will receive. He will mess up your theology. Because we think that everything's got to be one way. And then Jesus calls a tax collector, a thief, out of a tree. Says, I'm coming to your house. That thief says nothing about, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. But that all that thief does is says, I'm going to give back half of everything I owe. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give back everything that I've stolen from anybody. Or half of all my, I'm sorry, half of all my possessions to the poor. And anything that I've stolen from anybody, I will pay back 
four times. There's a lot of layers to this because, like, Zacchaeus even exceeded the requirement of the law. The requirement of the law was for him to give back, if he had defrauded anyone, one and, and one-fifth. That was the Levitical law, is that if you defraud anyone, if you get something from them unrighteously, that you pay them back one and one-fifth. He said four times. Because God had worked something different on Zacchaeus. So all of a sudden, the sinner's prayer became the sinner's calling out of a tree. Can you imagine if that caught on? It would be weird to go to church, wouldn't it? Somebody want to receive God, you make them climb up in a tree first. I know Toby would be like, I want to, Toby would be rededicating his life multiple times in the service. So we know that there were two different motives in, in seeking God and between the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, but what was the motive of Jesus? Jesus' motive in the way that he approached the men was to reveal their heart. That was it. When he spoke into the rich young ruler, he revealed his heart, didn't he? This man came wanting something for himself. And Jesus revealed that in a heartbeat. When Zacchaeus came, Jesus revealed his heart as well. There's something that's honest about Jesus that, that pulls honesty out of us. And it pulls your intentions because the requirement is everything you have. Whenever something requires everything, if something requires your life, you're going to get honest real quick. And has anybody ever, y'all seen those movies where there's, uh, like, people that they're about to die and they're together and all of a sudden they're saying about how they really feel about each other, good or bad, how they really feel about each other. When your life is required of you, honesty springs out of you. Y'all hear that? When your life is required of, it, of you, you're honest about what's inside of you. You're honest about your intentions. So the rich young ruler, in his heart, was he wanted the assurance of salvation. Zacchaeus purely wanted to see Jesus. And the Jews wanted to see Jesus fit into their box. Because he revealed their hearts too, didn't he? Yeah, he messed up that whole scene. Zacchaeus climbed up in the tree. Jesus called him out, and he revealed everybody's hearts around them. So, the rich young ruler wanted Jesus, but he didn't want to change. He did want Jesus. He approached Jesus. But what he wanted Jesus to do was to confirm in him that he was doing everything right already. When Jesus required more of him, that rubbed him the wrong way because he already was happy with the man that he was. He was already good with who he is. And he just wanted Jesus to affirm that. 
I want us to be honest about that, like really honest about what we believe. And if your life is required of you, is your belief system strong enough to keep you to keep you sturdy, to keep you standing? Because your heart's going to be revealed. And your life is required of you. Being a Christian, your life is required of you. Your life is no longer your own. And that doesn't mean that you are just trying to talk a different way and you're starting to watch different things on television and that you're reading your Bible more often and you're praying more often. That has very, very little to do with your Christian life. What your Christian life has to do is that you're at God's disposal. You're saying, I am following you. Jesus told the rich young ruler, he said, go sell everything you have and come follow me. Because you can't take that stuff with you. You can't be important in your own mind and important in the kingdom of heaven. You have to figure out which field you want. Like the treasure in the field. Something that was stirring to me the other day and I had to come down here to pray was because I was, like, I, I want to think in my mind that I've sold everything that, that in my life, all the things that have mattered, I've traded for the treasure in the field the things that, that I've valued before. But something stirred in me the other day. It's like, there's still some areas where I haven't stepped out into that I, that I need to. And I spent some time on my face before God just saying, God, this, this stuff, this area of my life that, I've, that, I, that I know that I've been saying, I give it to you, I give it to you, I give it to you. I really want to give it to you. It's not just words. I really want to give it to you. Because the, in the Jews, the Jews wanted Jesus as long as he didn't offend their current belief system. See, and that's, a, that's something that we have to watch out for in our church, too. Because a lot of times we'll have, especially in the charismatic movement, you can have people come in that sometimes it's, sometimes they just act out in the flesh. It's just them acting out in the flesh. But there are other times whenever people come in and they, are, they will say or do something that doesn't resonate with you. Or they'll say or do something that you deem not normal. But God is moving through them. God is trying to stretch you. And here's the key. If you reject someone on behalf of, if, if, you re, if you reject someone because of something God is showing them to do, what are you really rejecting? We have to make sure that our belief system doesn't put God in a box. We also have to make sure that our belief system about ourselves doesn't require us to keep a piece of ourselves that we don't give to God. If you look in, uh, if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. I can feel the pride coming over from Jamie that I didn't say Revelations. That boy has been schooling me on my Revelation grammar. It did, it did, but I'm there. I feel like I'm there. Just the S is gone. So we're going to start in verse 14. It says, To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, The words 
of the amen and the faithful and true witnesses. Witness the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Last week, I talked about there's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. Whenever the Bible requires of us to give our life, there's going to be things that come in that try to that try to distract us from truth. So here's the truth. Whenever we have been taught that if we say a prayer, that we're good, that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. We've been taught that if you give, if you do a certain thing or live a certain type of life, if you vote a certain way, that those are things. That's a lie. The only way that Jesus ever told anyone that you're a Christian is if you give everything. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org. We hope to see you next week, and may God bless you and your family.